0: He goes, well, that was part one. It's a <laughs> cliffhanger. <laughs> The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Well, that was part one. It's a cliffhanger. We are looking at, um, the love of diving, right? I mean, that's why. Well, hey, this is part two. Great dive podcast. Coming back at you.
1: Coming back at you live.
0: So I dug out old, um, enriched air diver final exam. One of the the early Patty enriched air exams.
1: I think I still have my old old INTD one from... Way back in the 90s.
0: That's what this one's from. 50 questions long. Nearly half this exam is math and tables.
1: I mean, you could, realistically, what do you need to know different from regular diving than you know nitrox stuff you just need to know your your limitations the, the breathing mixtures the possible signs and symptoms and and how to how to analyze gas and mark your and mark i mean it it could be summed up in 25 questions sure i think provided the questions aren't you know as ridiculous as like a regular open water class question
0: well they they are computerizing all the yeah, the, the yeah, current yeah. stuff you know so I, they I want think that's to, that's what all recreational diving is going to yeah. is is converting over to the computer and i remember you know the sales reps coming in christ in late 90s early 2000s and, and that's what the manufacturers were
1: pushing like yeah. why are why are we teaching tables just everybody uses a computer yeah but you can still sell the computer i mean i know tables i don't i mean I, I still have to buy a gauge. No, I don't. I don't think. You, I don't think it's going to damage sales like they think it might.
0: I certainly don't think it. I, no. I, I find I
1: mean, that you there's... still need a gauge and a timer. Well, that's I, all, I think that's the, that's the difference with
0: being the uh, being it, a diver yeah. and having a certification. That's kind of like where we were going at the end of. Episode one is where you yeah. were saying, like, why couldn't they have made this delineation between, right. hey, I reef, just, I, I'm going yeah. on a reef dive, I'm on a cruise into the Bahamas, going and for, we're, we're going to yeah. hit Cozumel one day, yeah. I, I want to do 30 feet, boom, there's a certification for that. You're going for the Chevy or the Cadillac. Yeah, and then there's... a some real education right the problem is i think get them in get them dive and hopefully buy some gear the problem is you got somebody that does that starts doing some diving mm-hmm. and the next thing you know they're going to 180 feet of water they have a lack of single tank, tank of skill wetsuits yeah. and over, over the the lakes, of their, their skills. <laughs> and yeah. the computer just keeps let me keep going and yeah. going and going and they they come up going i just
1: did a deco dive man yeah yeah, well, I think that you know we had that one one feedback message. You know, I understand greed and I understand business. Well, you are talking about the the Facebook message that we got. Yes, Facebook. We had a message where one of uh, one of our listeners said we were we were confusing greed with business, and I don't. I think that's beside our point, and and more to our point is the greed became the motivating factor for for the business versus quality divers being produced to share the underwater world. And I'm all about, yes, the the market. I'm all about free market and capitalism. I mean, that that to me is how things should work. There should be a competition, and the competition is what will cause the quality to have to remain high. Yeah, and, and, and high quality and high
0: profits, right. I think uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. You exactly. Should be, you should be making great revenue if you yeah, I got a great say what, quality product.
1: Whatever the market Will bear is completely fair, and here's what happened though: the courses become watered down because they want to turn out more divers because they want to make more profit. Now all of that profit is going to them. The lion's share goes to the agency, and right? Then the which shop is why you've got gets the gear sales, right? Why you've got pages and pages of liability ability. to fill out to, <laughs> to basically throw it all
0: back on the student and the instructor. instructor,
1: right? And that, that's where that is where my criticism is. You didn't have this little guy going, hey, wait a minute. If we do that, the class is going to be garbage, and the divers we produce are going to be garbage. All you had were some lawyers going, but listen, if we write the course well enough to cover our ass, it can still be short and easy. Yeah, the the stats, we can make stats say whatever they want.
0: Well, sure, and that's why you've got... But if you look at stats, this is
1: one of the safest things you can do. It's you know safer than bowling.
0: And, and then and here you go. You show up, and it's 2018, and you've got enriched air instructors who don't even know how to describe what a partial pressure of oxygen oh, is. Oh, yeah. Other than it. it's yeah. the little icon you click before you do the dive, yes. and you set it at 1.4. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And that's
0: the guy teaching the class. Yeah.
1: Shouldn't there be some understanding? Shouldn't you know what you're doing? I mean, this blind trust of technology... In, a, in an environment, in an activity, that if that technology fails you, you could be in a, in a world of hurt. A better idea is to know what you're doing. I, I don't know. Do you feel you were preyed on for your passion for this activity? I mean, literally, look at the advertising, look at who it's marketed for, look at the demographic, look at the people's mindset that it's marketed for. Search for adventure, the love of the underwater world. That's exactly why we went into it.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get into, in this interview, how that hit good old John Cronin back in the 50s. You got to remember that Patty started, you know, as as much, we did get some criticism about, uh, you know, jumping on... uh, Mr. Cronin's case on that last episode but we're just kind of reading through and if we remember Patty began because of his frustration with the industry at the
1: time well it wasn't his frustration I don't believe I believe it was more like listen we could make a whole lot more fucking money if we watered it down a whole lot you guys
0: well not- at the time I don't believe that Like, if, believe at the it. time he was there was no structure and there, there, well, they weren't putting out a, any real students there was no commitment to it they weren't and putting he saw out real a- students
1: I think that's the that's the argument, is they were putting out real divers, yes.
0: But he was saying, We're not putting out enough. I mean, there's like a, a we're, now in, you're getting to yes. it, yes.
1: We're not putting out enough. And I'd say my remark back to him would be, Enough for who? Enough for your wallet, <laughs> right. enough for who? Who has this quota you're trying to meet? Well, I think, that,
0: and okay, I, I get your point, and I think there was a balance somewhere in the middle there that that got missed,
1: yeah. I don't I think, think that was, was accidental. I don't think it was like an accidental byproduct. Business people, lawyers, people with money, they tend to not want to take a risk. They tend to want to see like, listen, we're going into business. We're going to have a plan. We're going to look at a way that we can make the most money out. We're going to wring the most money out of this industry. They well, already know that going into it. They don't you go
0: Remember, this plan was I
1: don't care if it was 20 bucks in a bottle of scotch. Yeah. Exactly. And again, I, I put all this criticism against it, but I also I want to leverage that with this was a necessary evil in many respects to get to a point that we are at this day at this, you know, where we are today. Where divers. There are a good amount of divers uh, going into technical diving, uh, actually, you know, going out and fighting for the oceans and the environment. So there's good that came out of it. That's wonderful.
0: I get, I get all that, you know. So it, in a lot of respects, you know, it, it did set up that base for further instruction. But ultimately, that usually takes a commitment on the individual to yeah, push but, themselves and
1: and seek out the additional training. And we're talking about to become a quality diver. We're not talking about becoming a, an instructor for a major agency because those are two different things. You don't have to be to have much experience anymore to be a, an instructor.
0: Well, when you've got an instructors that don't really know what buoyancy control is and walk from student to t- student underwater. Yeah, yeah and crack you know, techniques. Trying to yeah. clear masks, right? When you've got instructors that don't know how to use a dive table comfortably. Yeah. Or the wheel. <laughs> right. What if they
1: don't know how to use the wheel, man?
0: <laughs> but they, they don't have that understanding
1: other than, again, use a computer. The computer doesn't control your buoyancy, although they're trying to do that, you know. They're trying to just basically you strap a piece of gear on and you jump in the water well, and breathe, that's it and you don't it, all the thinking's done for you. And I, guess, and I guess
0: you're going to have a ton of engineers are, They're they're going to There's the downfall sit. of society. <laughs> there lawyers, we go. Wait, I, I thought th- the last episode last episode was lawyers. This episode is going to be Oh, engineers? lawyers and engineers.
1: I you know what? Lawyers are better students. In my humble opinion, engineers, and I think most diving instructors, especially any—if there's technical instructors out there—you let's take a poll. Which profession, when you hear that that's what they are, you cringe before you have to teach them? (laughs) Oh, it's going to be engineer for sure. It's yeah, and and this is not a personal, you know, vendetta against engineers. This is after. teaching for a a long It's a fact.
0: They tend to overthink.
1: They overthink. They try to reinvent the wheel. Sir, this is how you clear your mask.
0: Wait, wait, wait. What if I... How about if I blink my left
1: eye while I only... How about if I design a mask where you put a low-pressure inflator in it We'll we'll put a we'll make it automatically sensed with barometric uh, sensors. Did you know there. if you
0: connected two pieces of tubing from <laughs> your a, from a your computer each fin, <laughs> yeah. that as you kicked, you would create enough thrust action that you would actually create a vacuum inside of the
1: mass that would constantly allow the uh, mass to be purged of water. We could go on all day long, sir. And people are like, "That's ridiculous." No one, uh, false, sir. Can't, why don't you just let
0: a bubble out of your nose? No, no, and it's gone. Oh no. Clear. no,
1: no, no.
0: Okay, let's get to part two. Eh?
1: I thought that's what we were doing.
0: So Michael Menduno asks John Cronin about DEMA. Okay. And how effective has DEMA been in that regard? And again, the, the regard that we were talking about is the growth of the industry that John was talking about at the end of episode one, when he said that he thought that the job of us... You know, all in the industry is to make diving more accessible. And he says to in response to this question, I think that they're at a crossroads. They've formed a new organization, the Diving Equipment and Marketing Association. And if it goes in the right direction, it could do a great deal of good. So originally it was the Diving Equipment and Manufacturers Association. Around this time they changed to the Diving Equipment and Marketing Association. <laughs> Isn't that supposed to be part of DEMA's mission to promote diving to society at large
1: do you ever see that bill hicks uh, comedy routine
0: yes advertisers when
1: he goes who's in marketing, marketing out here any of you guys out here in the audience in marketing and everybody people go yeah uh just kill yourself <laughs> <laughs> if i were
0: writing the charter for them which i'm not i would tell them to pick out two things to do one would be promotion And two would maybe be to reduce liability within the industry by supporting responsible programs and positions, promote diving to new customers, and I just coined it, DAR, Diver Acquisition and Retention. That should be the goal. Stop all the other bullshit. Stop worrying about 58 different programs because pretty soon you dilute your efforts. Our job is to make it easier for more people to dive. Last year, 100,000 people responded to our Discover Diving program over a 12-month period. That's just with
1: Patty. Most of the people weren't involved with any kind of diving program before. Just think about it. This guy, there's nothing mentioned in there at all about the love of diving. It's, we need to keep divers. We need to acquire them and then keep them. Because the longer we have them, the longer we keep the money flow coming. That is all that's about. There is, there is nothing that has been said yet that is even remotely conveying the idea like, the love of the ocean, the love of diving, the art, the beauty—correct. And this there is, is nothing. This
0: yet. is the business part of John Cronin's mind. Is hey,
1: this is. Is uh, there another part? Is my question because yeah. it never came across. Yes. Okay, I'm listening.
0: Michael Meduna says. I like says, to get laid. Under, <laughs> Michael Meduna says underwater world here we come. And Cronin responds with, "There's another opportunity." <laughs> yeah, keep going. The snorkeling business. <laughs> <laughs> Our job is to show people that snorkeling is fun and initiate them to the underwater world. We don't have to convert every snorkeler. The smart guys in the retail diving business are selling a lot of snorkeling stuff, and now people are used to coming into our stores and dive centers, and so are their children. They're buying snorkels, masks, suits, and travel. They're not second-class citizens. They're in a different area of our realm. The dive center people who treat these customers like first-class citizens rather than second-class masters will be the big winners. This is a big market. Start treating them well. So now we know
1: why every open-water student and instructor is required. It's a part of required equipment to have a snorkel to scuba dive. He said it. I didn't say well, yeah, it. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah,
0: you need a snorkel. I mean, if you're a scuba diver, you're out in the open water. You don't Some, need a snorkel. Well, somewhere in your bag, you should have a snorkel.
1: You don't need it. You don't need it in your bag. Who are you to no, tell me no, I'm I need a snorkel?
0: I, I I agree, you don't need it, but you probably... You don't need are... a
1: camera. You don't need... It. Those are oh, great things to have. I agree, uh, yes. don't need a DPV. You, what do you need to dive? Required gear should be a mask, a fins, a BCD regulator, and, and environmental protection. Not a goddamn snorkel. Not a snorkel. Sure, but you're opposed to selling a snorkel in a dive shop? No, don't take it to the other end of the spectrum. I'm like, okay. you want to go snorkeling? Buy a fucking snorkel. If you want to take an open water class, you need to learn to snorkel. That's the baby step to scuba diving. Agreed.
0: So, th- in that respect, you need a snorkel for that part of the. Well, sure. I'm not against that's, selling the snorkel. That's all I'm what
1: I'm against is you required it on every dive. It's I'm agree- required. I'm against that part too. What's not required? What's now optional, and even back in the day it wasn't required, was any kind of surface marker for when you come up away from the boat like so many people did. In my humble opinion, that should be a mandatory piece of equipment.
0: Well, what he's doing is he's building the retail store, which really didn't exist in the the, the 60s, to the extent that it is now. That it's, what,
1: snorkeling? Snorkeling store?
0: no like a like a full encompassing scuba center dive right. center
1: but with snorkels oh yeah we're going to build it from snorkels the need for snorkels well what he's saying is instead of instead of is that the gateway drug is that like the pot yeah it is kind of okay that's right? fine so if
0: you if, if you have Why is it everybody mandatory? going yeah, yeah the, the the thing is is instead of the customer going to the big sporting goods giant. They still do. For their cheapy little mass snorkel stuff for playing around on the cruise ship. If you
1: can start getting them to start coming into the dive center know, right from but the get-go. Can I tell can, you, you? Here's the problem with that. Your manufacturers sold you guys, the stores, the retailers, out. They sold you out because they are selling regular scuba gear at Dick's and Dunham's. You can go in, you can go to Costco and buy it. Scuba quality, is it stuff I'd use? Hell no. But is it stuff that students could use that you can find in the dive store? Well, hell yeah. That's because your boys, your homeboys at the manufacturing level, they sold you guys out. So at the time, he Don't was looking at,
0: folks. Build, at the time he was building <laughs> this retail and Menduno says that very thing, right? The retail thing. Yeah. And Cronut says, it comes together at the retail level. We need to realize that the customer is the center of the diving industry. They do a pretty good job now, but there's always room for improvement. Retailers are looking for new and innovative ways to keep their customers. The guys, I think the survivors will be the guys with the Marshall Fields or Nordstrom's mentality. It's all about customer service. When I return my Hertz rental car, I don't have to clean it. It's their damn car. They should clean it up. They should clean it up. They should clean it up because I just don't care. Jesus Christ, James Mott. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they should clean it up because i don't care if it's clean for the next guy or not just think about that mentality do you clean up your car it hurts no why do we do it with scuba it's archaic to make customers wash their gear they rented it from you this kind of thinking will enhance our sport make it easy pleasant accessible i come out of the retail business and sold to retailers for many years that son of a bitch. That's why people return those stinky peed in wetsuits to me every weekend. Stop I just pe- want you to think I'm of this gonna, mentality. I'm, I'm gonna, all right, so now I'm gonna. Hey, now, now just... I'm gonna go the opposite way. <laughs> Stop peeing in your wetsuits and giving them to the guy <laughs> at the dive shop. If you're gonna pee in your damn rental wetsuit, you hey. should rinse it out a little. Bit. Have some respect for that guy. But my <laughs>
1: name's John Cronin. There's an argument to be made for discipline. There's an Absolutely. argument to be made for caring for things that are not your own. Because you know someone else is going to use them. There's an argument to be made for humanity. There's an argument to be made for being selfless a little bit. That is all of these arguments that I say go completely. They fly right in the face of a demon marketer.
0: Right. And on a business perspective, I see what he's saying. You're, You're not wanna, making me you, like this guy. <laughs> I see what he's saying, like on a business end. Like, yeah, make it easy. Let them, uh, you know, just get their money. Just keep them happy so they want to keep coming in and spending money, you know, deal with all their bullshit. But there's a better
1: way to do it. I agree, man. Okay. I totally agree with you there. There's a better way to do it. It's called quality. People will seek out the quality too. Maybe not initially. Because they don't know what they don't know. Well,
0: and that's where I think we're, that's right where we're at right now. Thank you. Right? So it, it's taken yeah. from it's people taken like this. Thir, it's taken 30 years, but I think that's where we're at
1: now. It's taken from that mentality to get to this mentality. Maybe it's wisdom. I don't know.
0: I think it is wisdom, right? Because yeah. I, I don't think, well, you, I think a lot of people wouldn't have the mentality that we're speaking of yeah, today if, it, yeah. if this didn't occur for so long. Not that this was necessarily bad, but it was a way that I wouldn't have necessarily liked it to go. You wouldn't I right I now. I
1: wouldn't but, right now, but at the time I just in the the forty year old James maybe not, you know, because you've seen things. But I remember a twenty something year old James and I used to have a lot of debates in the back <laughs> room with a twenty something year old James. You'd been all about making some money. And and the, it's a slippery slope. It's easy to get into, and I can see how. I mean, I could would probably be doing the same thing. Like, hey, we could even make more money if we skimp on this and we do less of this, and we say, hey, just leave your shit for us. We'll clean it up and we'll make the fucking dive master the dive. What are we? What are we? <laughs> the are we the tank monkey. Tank monkey, whatever. The dive jester. Yeah, we make <laughs> the dive jesters. <laughs> yes. We make them do all the dirty work. Shit rolls downhill h- because we're instructors. God damn, damn it. it! We don't make shit, but we don't do all that dirty <laughs> shit either. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's easy to go. But down on to- that note, yeah. But big look out, at where we are right big
0: now. Big shout out to the dive masters. Because keep in mind, you know, the dive masters are doing a ton of the work on these dive boats. They're doing the lion's
1: share portion of work.
0: Because the instructor gets screwed over so often that they're looking Shit for somebody down. there They're hill, just looking
1: to, for somebody to roll on.
0: But you know what I always teach is once a dive master, always a dive master. And you should never in leave that mentality, mentality when you become yeah, an instructor. Yeah. Don't forget your roots, people. So Menudo moves on to a little bit of a Cronin's
1: history. Menudo, not, ca- not Menudo. <laughs> menudo is a Mexican Puerto Rican band. I think <laughs> I didn't say
0: Menudo. <laughs> you said Menudo. I said Menudo. I said did. Menudo.
1: You, oh, it sounded Menudo to me. I'm like Menudo. Don't, don't I don't know if Michael. It's, uh, just it, it came up on my playlist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he asks him, "When did you start selling scuba?" And Corona kind of goes through the story. It's a, it's a decent story. It's it's a I think it's a story that a lot of guys in this industry share. You know, they uh, they got into diving, they became instructors, but you know they they got in it because they haven't were having a good time doing it, a way to make a buck and and support uh, their new habit. And uh, boom! Next thing you know, it's twenty years later, and you've been in you're in the industry. You know, now wearing a polo shirt with the, your company
1: logo on the on the left breast. No, hold it, hold it! You've painted too pretty of a picture because usually they're got some stories. <laughs> 1954, I was working for a big
0: outfit called Gold Stocks in Schenectady, selling skis, hunting and fishing equipment. We were Head Ski's second largest customer and largest Weatherby Rifles dealer, an ultra, ultra rifle. Really expensive. These are salesman adjectives. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, really... Weatherby, ha- rifle. Right. Weatherby must have been uh, doing
1: like, um, what is that... Uh, duathlon, diet, duathlon. Yeah, yeah, like yeah a real real uh,
0: Tri- long range, fancy high end well, rifles. Ski, well,
1: he said he was skiing. Head skis, they're like a sporting goods shop. Yeah, but what is that, that sport where you ski and shoot at the targets? Oh, that's yeah, that's what yeah, I'm yeah. thinking he's doing. It's something like, uh, it's in part of a, that Winter Olympics yeah, decathlon,
0: yeah. cross-country skiing. And yeah, decathlon's track, but yeah, it, it, it's yeah. like
1: a, a biathlon is what it's called, a biathlon.
0: In fact, we were one of the largest gun dealers on the East Coast and second largest Browning shotgun dealer in the Atlantic seaboard, oh, which was amazing considered considering we had this small business in Schenectady and Troy. We were also in the ski business. I was the store manager, and one day a good customer came in and said, I want to buy an Aqualung. And I asked, what the hell's an aqualung? He gives me all this bullshit. It's great. You dive underwater.
1: I said, why would you want to do that? Why the hell would you want to do that? When you can shoot and ski. (laughs) When you can kill shit and ski away from it. (laughs) Just leave it there for someone else to clean up. (laughs) Nobody wants to clean that shit up. Bloody mess. He was a good
0: customer. So I started calling around. I called a place called Aqua Gun and Yonkers, run by Ben Holderness, and said, I want to buy an Aqualung. He said, You gotta buy three. <laughs> he sounds <laughs>
1: like he's talking to himself.
0: <laughs> what the hell am I gonna do with three? So I told him I'd call him back. Then the customer came back in, and so I ordered three aqualungs. Later, Jerome, the owner, came in and said, What the hell's that? An Aqualung. <laughs> he says, What's an aqualung? Who the hell buy that? lenny jones he knew lenny jones every week after that jerome came by and asked me what are you gonna do with the other two aqualungs a month later he came by and said there's another one gone who bought it i told him that i did lenny had talked me into going diving up at lake george he was an engineer had his own compressor and made his own weight belt I had read the 17-page booklet 14 times and ended up making my own wetsuit out of quarter-inch neoprene and cement. Took about six hours. The kit was called an Artico. I think it was $29.99 for the whole thing. The place was called Bolton Landing. We climbed out of the boat, went down the anchor line to 130 feet. I wasn't the least bit worried because it was so clear. We went down a sheer wall. It was like riding an elevator, cold but clear. That was the first time I went diving.
1: Good idea, John. <laughs> if John could do that,
0: 1954—that's what um, I mean. That's what everybody was doing. You, you went down till you hit the bottom. So this is setting up the stage for where for he, death. It, well, for well, a is, lot of accidents. <laughs> this is setting up the stage <laughs> where he, where he is seeing the change and wanting to, wanting there to be a change.
1: Well, I so, I would put it that he never took a course with an instructor. He doesn't say anything about well, that. He, he read really. a seventeen-page book. He, where did he get this book? Re- That's all there was. It was probably a I no hold hold it hold it. I put it to book, you. He got
0: the booklet from Lenny George.
1: I put it to Jones. you that there were organized training, but it was hard to go through. And he's like, "I ain't got time for that shit. I got a seventeen-page book time here. For that. This is all new to me. I don't. I I never heard this story. So now it, it is wait, so wait, 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 freaking wait, 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 wait. crystal clear how we got where we're at."
0: And you kept selling scuba? I eventually got a distributorship from Healthways and Voight in 1956. Voight was buying from U.S. divers who were making the valves and stuff. They wouldn't sell to me direct, but I had Healthways Voight. I was selling diving equipment wholesale, some ski stuff, and a lot of shooting supplies. I started calling on the dive shops and a few sporting goods stores. It was all just getting started. Is that when you started teaching? No, I I read a 20-page book for that. (laughs) I started diving in 54, started teaching in 56. I was putting on free diving classes in one of the big playboy pools up there. I had eight tanks. We'd get all these people in their bathing suits. It was summertime up there. And let them swim up and down once. 50, 60 people a night, unbelievable. Then then we'd sign them up for our six day, six night course. Is that when you went to work for US Divers? US Divers offered me a job as the marketing manager. I moved from Albany to New York City and ran one of the first dive stores, the Aqualung Center, and did a good job for them. I was supposed to promote diving in general, so I was running around talking to distributors, telling them how to sell diving equipment. In the meantime, I rented the Hotel Sutton Pool in Manhattan Tuesday and Thursday nights and Saturday mornings and was teaching diving. YMCA was around, but I wasn't affiliated with them. Now he was non-existent in the Northeast. The next year... U.S. Divers asked me to move to Chicago, where I became the regional salesman traveling the Midwest and Canada. Wasn't that about the time Cousteau's first film was being released? Michael asks him. Hmm. The Silent World. It was released and won an award in 1956. It was the first shot in the arm this business ever had. The second great shot in the arm was the Sea Hunt series with Lloyd Bridges, which got started a couple years later. In fact, it was about the same time, late 57, early 58, I finally got, (laughs) funny story, the healthway salesman that I was jobbing for was a guy named Harry Marr who lived in Boston. He came in one day and said, I want my spring order. He did a good job of selling me. Then he said he might be back in a couple weeks. So I said, okay. I was always glad to see Harry. We were pretty good friends. About two weeks later, he came back and asked me if I'd like to buy U.S. Divers Direct as a jobber. I used to write to them at least once a month asking them to sell to me. They wouldn't. I said, I'd love to, but why the hell would you help me? You're the Healthways salesman. Not anymore, he said. I'm your new U.S. diver salesman, and I'm going to put you on because I know you can move some merchandise. By the end of 59, we were the second largest distributor U.S. divers ever had. Second only to New England divers. So he's, uh, he's growing as a scuba salesman at the time. He's so... Uh, selling, selling regs, selling gear, moving tanks.
1: And he loves scuba diving. He's in... Well, at this time, I think he's into it. I haven't... I haven't... What gives you that idea? Because he went to 100 feet in Lake George. 130. <laughs> and it was the only time I've heard him go diving still, but... And then he went and taught a bunch of people in pools. There was a Playboy pool. Yeah. He's teaching... Playboy's play, pool. He's yeah. teaching, play, he's teaching <laughs> playmates. I'm kind of... Yeah. This guy's my idol right now. I know. That's... I, I'm not surprised.
0: <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. Could you take those bunny ears off and put on this mask? How long was a scuba course in 1960? Are you asking me a question? No, this is the
1: question Michael Menduno asked John Cronin. He's, he's like, my scuba course? It was 14 pages. <laughs> 14 pages and one dive to 130 feet. Congratulations.
0: <laughs> Six lessons. Two checkout dives in one day. That was it. I had a classroom at the Aqua Lone Center and the Hotel Sutton pool. You had to come to the classroom at a certain time because it wasn't a modular course. The guy that worked with me, Jim McNamara, was a young guy who just got out of the Marine Corps. He was with the underwater demolition team and we had a tough time toning him down so that he would realize that we weren't (laughs) training these folks from New York (laughs) to attack Jersey. You have to remember that I was out there trying to raise four kids and pay my rent selling diving equipment. I was frustrated.
1: Now, we're getting to the real motivation.
0: The militaristic approach to training, Michael asks him. Ralph Erickson and I talked about it for years. I had met Ralph at a banquet. We went diving a few times. We both felt that these UDT-type courses taught by people with military backgrounds were chasing people out of the sport. I used to go to the Y after I'd hit the stores in a town. I remember running into this guy. I knew him. I won't tell you who he is because everybody would know who it is. I said how are you doing he said fine blah 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 he says i run the best course in the midwest i said yeah how come he said i had 22 people in my last course and only eight of them made it what do you think of that i said i think you're a horse's ass you're what's wrong with diving
1: no he said he's what's wrong with marketing i asked him not what's wrong with diving i asked him did you take the money you took their money to teach them, not to decide
0: if they were qualified or not qualified. False. That's what's wrong with this goddamn sport.
1: False. I walked out on the guy. False. False, false, false. What would you do? I mean, once you think about this, diving, is, there are certain objectives with the dive training. Yeah, it would be great if everyone could do everything and is qualified to do everything, but that's not the way the world is. Not everybody can do everything. That's just the way the world is. Now, according to Cronin, everybody can do this, and it, that's not true. That's not true at all. What everybody can do is get certified so they can buy more gear, but not everybody can do this safely. Okay, we I, know that first, sure. first and foremost. And as I think that's
0: where uh, the 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 line needs to be drawn, yeah. and, and, I, and I fully, yeah. fully believe that yeah. the majority of people walking out of an open water class from any of the basic recreational classes are, are sold a long-term thinking yeah. with a short-term ability. And, and in reality, mm-hmm. it's a 30-foot class, and you want to go down exactly. 30 feet, look at some fishies, look I'd at a shallow little wreck. Mm-hmm. I, I would say 30 because mm-hmm. they, they can't pull off a clean ascent from 30 feet up yet. They can't, hold a, they can't hold 10, 15 feet without corking to the surface. So in my opinion, there's no business of going you're, to 60.
1: You're probably right because 30 means in their mind, I'll go to 60. Anyway. Correct. And if I said 60, that mean in their mind, they'd go to 90. And so, if, if there was some honesty saying this
0: is a 30-foot class mm-hmm. because you're relying 100% on the technology to keep you alive, you're relying a hundred percent on the equipment to keep you alive because you haven't had the time to build your ability. If they said that, I'd be all rosy with the with the class and go, yeah,
1: that's right. what it is. Can and we if agree? If you want to go uh,
0: on, you move to the Cadillac yeah, class, yes. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm cool well, well, with that. I just want to. I mean, to go back to what he, how Cronin you know just said, you're an ass and whatnot. But can we agree? Like scuba he diving, said horses, ass. ass. Yeah, you're a horse's ass. <laughs> Scuba diving, the ramifications of screwing up can be deadly, right? Yeah. Can it be fatal? Can it cause not only your own fatality, but maybe contribute to another person? Well, I,
0: let me even say this, right? So a major screw-up on a very low-level dive has the risk of fatality. Yeah. Whereas a, because you could say, well, oh, hey, a major, it. a major screw-up, you know, snow skiing could be fatal. Yeah. A major screw-up, uh, mountain biking could be fatal if you went over the cliff or you cracked But you know what? That's a high-level dive. You don't have the same potential for fatality going down the small little bunny hill on a set of skis your first couple times. But you could easily do a 30-foot dive
1: and screw up badly. In 30 feet. In 30 feet of water. That's a good point because 30 feet to the surface is your greatest pressure differential in the sense of ratio, two to one. As you know in your scuba class, Boyle's Law will tell you if you hold your breath, your lungs expand twice as large, you know. Twice the size.
0: Wait, wait. Are you are you teaching your students well,
1: Boyle's law? Well, yeah, you got to. You're a horse's <laughs> ass.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's about right. I mean, again, and I'm I'm prior military so I'm very biased. I get the military approach to training. No, wait, <sighs> that's the problem.
0: <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> that's the problem. So Michael, Michael says the problem, and John says Ralph Erickson was a swimming coach. He was the guy who really saw the problem with the military. We talked about it at the time. So many people wanted to dive. They'd go to some of these courses and we'd hear horror stories. They'd lose people the first two nights. Can you swim 500 yards? What the hell do I look like, Tarzan? It was ludicrous. A lot of the criteria was ludicrous. A lot of people had their own criteria. The YMCA had a course that wasn't bad. Now we had a course, it wasn't a bad course. They used outlines, and people teaching them were left on their own devices. That was the problem. If the guy was a good teacher, he taught a good course. But then there would be some guy who was trying to prove that he was the only guy in the pool who could do it and that everybody else was a wimp. He really didn't care how many people he taught or if he taught anyone. That was the major problem in this industry. Ralph and I talked about this for a couple of years. And that's why you started Patty, he asked. Ralph and I started Patty in 1966
1: out of frustration. Now I didn't see that in that in any of that what he said. I I saw was that we could get more students if if we changed up the course. Yeah, and, I agree. and, and, uh, and there's a point that I I mean. I agree with him. Like you can't have bad, and in- you don't want bad instructors. Did you just agree with John Cohen? I agree with him. I agree with him. I agree with him. I to a, to a degree, yeah, to a degree. There is a there is something to be said for uniformity. Back to the militaristic approach, which is uniformity. We have to turn out the same thing. If you got a good instructor, you got a good class. That still goes. Absolutely, that still goes. You, all they did though. All they did though. Was they made it easier for any diver to become an instructor?
0: Yeah, you, we still rely on the instructor to put out a right. quality student, not necessarily the and you agency. Get with, right. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it got started on 20 bucks and a bottle of scotch. I would believe it. $15 and a bottle of scotch. And Ralph has yet to pay me for his half of the bottle. I had just come off the road and I was so pissed off about this stuff. I called up Ralph's apartment, and he said, I just got a bottle of scotch. Come on up. I said, Ralph, it's time if we're going to do it. We sat there the whole night brainstorming. One of us had a $5 bill. The other a 10 We threw it in the kitty. Our first office was my basement. My son Brian said the only thing he could remember about Patty was I used to say, shut up and lick. He was licking stamps and envelopes. Ralph produced the Undersea Journal. We had it printed at an orphanage in Chicago. I swapped them diving equipment. <laughs> I, mean, I meant there was an orphan's printed, because I could get it done cheap. <laughs> I swapped them diving equipment. I got the kids into the pool occasionally. That's how we got it printed cheap. We really got going in 67. And I used to come home on the weekends and type all the PIC certification cards.
1: And then I'd get my wife in on it, and I'd say, shut up and lick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was the birth of the Patty system, Michael asked? Ralph always said that everybody should be teaching the same thing, I agreed. That's why I hooked up with him. I believed we had something universal. We didn't say modular in those days. A course that everybody taught the same way that would be limited to the important things, cause and effect. I can remember people teaching not only how to change from Fahrenheit to centigrade, but how to calculate heat loss in a wetsuit and the difference between three sixteenths, three eighths and quarter inch, which is bullshit. I mean, that's fine if you've got a bunch of GE engineers and schnechtity.
1: We go back to engineers. Michael says, or yeah. a bunch of tech divers. <laughs> or somebody who just wants to understand what the hell
0: they're doing. Those were the tech divers. But you take an average guy or gal and tell them, before you can be a really good diver, you have to know how to compute your heat loss. What the hell does that have to do with it? Did they ask you if you can compute the compression in your engine before they let you drive a car? It's the same
1: thing. No, it's not. But
0: I, I, I would... I, I would see, argue. I that see point. where he's saying, and I would argue, mm-hmm. you know, because again, if you were in some like you and I were in like a road rally race, yeah, going uh, uh, across the continent, you better know something about compression of <laughs> yeah, a, but he'd say, and,
1: we're not in a road rally race.
0: Correct, but, but when you take that class and it, all they want you to do is drive down the residential road, maybe get on the the, the highway for yeah. an exit, you're set up with the theory that you could do that road race. The cause and effect that he's talking about well, I don't think related to I think where a lot of the when yeah. you grab any magazine back in the 80s and 90s and into today when you look at the shouldn't have done that story or the lesson I yeah. learned uh, today" story that we've talked about in the past I believe it's all because of that very thing is a, a student watered doesn't now. have the time to, to have down. the proper education have yeah. the proper time to build the experience
1: that they get beyond their ability they get well, too big
0: for their britches too fast I mean he
1: said it cause and effect and I think that's where his shortfall is. is he do, Just because he can't see the cause and effect doesn't mean there's a cause and effect from not understanding what you're doing. To strap the gear on, go breathe underwater, and know not to hold your breath. Yeah, the, and, and that's the whole thing. The majority will live. I, I would argue you need to know Boyle's Law. I you agree. Need, I'm, uh, I you need to have an understanding you. of the physics going on. Thankfully, there people, are people. people come to me because they want more than just that. Well, that's what happens is, you know, thankfully, they've stayed with scuba. They're still in love with it. They still have a passion for it. But because they've been in it a little while, they see, hey, uh, I'm doing something wrong. That guy looks a lot different than all of us. Okay. Now, you remember back in our in our day, you could go to the quarry and everyone would be crawling around on the mud. and But nobody saw anybody really is, you know. Wow, that guy's very, very good at scuba diving. Over there just doing a frog kick, you know, except for the cave divers you'd see. You'd see the occasional, somebody who's really been diving. Not, not a f***ing open water instructor. Well, no,
0: because all the open water instructors were scoffing at that guy in the yeah. cave
1: gear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember getting walking into a shop and getting shit. For the masses, not the classes, Michael says. We
0: wanted to bring diving to the public. We wanted to make it fun. We wanted our courses to be effective. When the people got out of the courses, they realized, yes, there are certain things that are dangerous. Number two, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Number three, these are the ground rules, the physics and the physiology. And number four, it's fun. That was our goal. And we took a lot of heat when we started. A lot of people made fun of us. The NAWI and YMCA people called us the Irish Diving Association. How did you
1: create the program? What's wrong with Irish Diving Association?
0: Because he was the Irish I mean, you're Irish.
1: (laughs) Do you take any offense to
0: that? Just because I I was drinking Guinness last night (laughs) doesn't mean I'm Irish. (laughs) We designed our first program with about 10, 12 guys. We outlined it in a brainstorming session. Ralph was working on it while I was out developing customers. I was traveling in the Midwest and Canada and talked about Patty and explained where we were going. We became Midwest-based because we didn't have any money to advertise. The advertising was Ralph on the phone and John Cronin on the road when I traveled for U.S. Divers. U.S. Divers looked at this with a jaundiced eye. Michael says, i am bet it amazes me that they let it go on. I got called out in 1967 by the president of the company who wanted to know in plain language what the hell I was doing. Someone had come to him and, ra- and, someone had come to him and raised hell suggesting that U.S. Divers was going to be embarrassed and that this Cronin was competing. I got flown to California for two days and called on the carpet. I said, we're in the diving business. As far as I'm concerned, nobody is doing the job in education. We talked. I can't say I made a convert of him, but I did get him to say, you do it on your own time and don't embarrass U.S. Divers. U.S. Divers has nothing to do with this, does not condone it, and we're not endorsing it. I said, fine. But
1: I think that was that was the public, uh, this is what we're going to tell everybody. Can we sell a lot of gear? Well, well yeah. Michael Selling sa- your gear. Yeah, well, Michael that says to little- him,
0: because you were their top dog as far as sales, right? Yes. Yeah. And he goes, that's right. Then in 1969, I was offered the job of national sales manager and asked to move to U.S. Divers Headquarters in Santa Ana, California. That created a problem at Patty. The problem was that I wasn't there anymore, and Ralph was only interested in the training and undersea journal. People used to call me at my house, and now they were calling him. He called me several times. I'm sick of this bullshit, Ralph would say. (laughs) You got to do something. So in 1970, (laughs) I went down to Costa Mesa and rented a big room, about 500 square feet worth, and hired June Nelson. She was our chief cook and bottle washer. That was the year they made me CEO at U.S. Divers.
1: 500 square feet is not a big room. No, and they grew fast. Patty grew from one room to two, then three
0: rooms. I asked Nick Icorn, a design draftsman with U.S. Divers who had retired, would you take a stab at running this thing for a couple of years? So we did. He left two or three years later, and Sonny Wisenand took over. Then we moved from five rooms. And went down to a place on Bear Street in Costa Mesa. There must have been 2,000 square feet down there. We were really cooking. We just kept growing and growing and growing. Then we moved to Bush Street with 6,000 square feet. And then to 10,000 square feet on Warner. We eventually moved here in 1988 where we have 50,000 square feet. So in uh, 18 years, they went from 500 square feet to 50,000 square feet in size. Pretty remarkable. I... Can't take
1: that away from the guy. Pretty amazing uh, for the time. It's remarkable, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's business. business. That's what business yeah, yeah, yeah. does: is it grows. That has nothing. That doesn't say anything about our quality increased. Uh, yeah, yeah. We turned out these incredible divers that were doing this incredible stuff. For the most part, you know, they were. How many of these divers kept diving?
0: Well, I don't think that was probably a concern back then. Well,
1: that's because he didn't it's see the, the amount of money he could make the, right. if they stayed in it. This is 1970,
0: nineteen seventy to nineteen mid eighties, right? Yes. It wasn't until this article nineteen. 95 when he coined the term diver acquisition and retention sitting there in the article with with Michael in in that interview because
1: he's trying to yeah I get it
0: you retired from US divers in 85 and he says I can't believe it's been 10 years already Michael says I'd like I'd like to know how you managed to run patty and US divers at the same time it was structured I always had a goal and the goal was to improve our courses and increase our market equity like any business And I had a propensity for marketing and sales. I always figured the best thing is to have the right product. And then Patty took off, he says. We really started to be accepting. We really started to be accepted. Everybody woke up in the early to mid-70s and said, this Patty, they've got something. After that, we increased our business 10 to 20% each year and concentrated on products and programs. By the mid-80s, we became the largest dive training agency in the world. Michael asked him, is that what made Patty successful? Products and programs, that's what we're all about. It's a complex company. Professionally, we have nearly 70,000 members. I think we have to be one of four or five largest professional associations in the United States. I'm taking a guess. Besides being a professional association, we're also the largest trade association in the industry between Paddy Retail Association, with over 2,500 dive centers around the world, and Paddy International Resort Association. Between the two, we have over 3,000 members. So we're a major trade association besides. He asked him, What is your model for this? There isn't any in this industry. You watch the demographics of the market and ask, where is there a need? In 78, we saw nobody was looking out for the retailers. So we said, there's a need for that. And we formed the Paddy Retail Association. We had a lot of resorts that wanted to join, but they didn't qualify. You looked at the criteria. They couldn't join. So we thought there was a need. And we formed the Paddy International Resort Association. It was a natural. We initiated that about three years ago. We got close to 600 resorts in three years. Then a few years back, we looked at travel and started the Patty Travel Network because there was a need for it as a member service. So we opened up a wholesale training agency just for Patty retailers where they can send their members through our membership, where they can get a benefit for this and some remuneration. We've made a major commitment to customer service. It permeates everything we do. So Michael asked him, how does your recent deal to put Patty on Windows ninety five fit into your grand scheme of things?
1: It's gonna be huge, huge.
0: Yeah, because ninety five. I mean, the internet's blowing up. This is a time where um, the world is growing from not every household having a PC, but like almost like every room in a house is, is starting to have a PC. Right?
1: I don't know if I go ninety five. I don't know. I think it is that way now but I, well, I mean everybody yeah.
0: walks around with a PC
1: in their pocket now it no, is No yeah yeah that's what i mean It's one
0: facet of a major diver acquisition program to bring new people to diving the dive centers and resorts to promote diver education we hope to reach 30 million computers it's the right demographics 30 million desktops yes it's a nice kickoff they'll find their way to the patty homepage Michael mentions we'll have patty dive centers resorts on there again to make information on diving accessible is Paddy the Microsoft of diving, Michael asked him? I wouldn't say that I don't know i I kind of I kind of think deep down he he certainly wants to be
1: well, I mean the business model he would like you know? and, I, and
0: I wonder if Michael like wanted a better answer from him on that particular question like when he asked him, is patty the Microsoft of diving what he gets for an answer is I wouldn't say that I don't know I wonder if Michael going into that interview was was hoping for something bigger out of him when he asked him that who knows. You could say we have the lowest turnover rate in the industry. And I know we have one of the lowest turnover rates in the state of California because everybody enjoys what they're doing, like a family atmosphere. Yet everybody gives it their damnedest. We've brought in a lot of professionals. I've been in the business 40-some years, and I would say there isn't a better team in the industry than the Patty team. Spiritually committed, dedicated to the sport, and we're and where we're going, it's family. No politics, no BS. Get the job done. Some of your competitors think that you're doing too well. Cronin says, anytime you attain a position up there in an industry, you know you're going to have your detractors. But you know what? None of them could ever say that we weren't responsible. Nobody can ever say that we're dishonest. We tell the truth. Anytime we give someone our word, we keep it. People can say Cronin's a tough son of a bitch, but in the same breath, they're going to say he's an honest son of a bitch. And that means something to me. And that's the article. Okay. That's the interview right there. Nice. He's an honest
1: son of a bitch, Brando. He may may have been in his mind. He was a honest, and that's all all that means is he's he's saying what he thinks and to, what he knows to be true or what he believes to be true, which and is I, and I, and, I think, and I can respect a person for that, I think. Yeah, well, I you think
0: know. what he was saying is he saw customers that wanted to go diving that couldn't, couldn't otherwise. That couldn't otherwise. And uh, the customer wanted to go, and he built a system that allowed him to do it. Yeah, I would the, agree. The, the gripe that I have is, in the long term, that that student is even getting a, a more washed down version, and they're, they're set up thinking they're one thing. They're one thing that that not. that mm-hmm. romanticized picture of the diver you yeah. were talking about last time. When in reality, they're flapping and flailing with their hands. Yeah. They're standing and walking on mm-hmm. the bottom. They're crashing into the bottom uh, on their knees to try to take a picture. Mm-hmm. They're holding onto a mooring line for dear life to pull off of a safety stop. Right, right. And and then on the that's next the majority, di- then, that's not every student. I think but tomorrow's the deep dive. Yeah, I you know. So I'm um, um, I'm doing it. I got yeah. my card.
1: Yeah, and statistically that's what they and that's what they stand behind is the stats. So we're we're putting out a good diver statistically. and in, in, in other words, we're putting out one that's not dying statistically.
0: So the article, again, yeah. I mean this was from Aquacore magazine in the December, January nineteen ninety five. It was written by Michael Menduno. You know, Michael Menduno did the interview, I should say. And uh, the article was King Cronin, Patty Chief bent on acquiring new divers, which he certainly did. I mean, uh, whether you agree or disagree with the quality of diver, Mm -hmm. the tactic that went in along the way. His tactics and his motivation is my question. Well, see, see, I'm going to give him credit on the entry-level diver coming in. Making it easier for more people to become divers because that it was really for money. opened. I agree. Yeah, it was definitely for money. No doubt about it. He yeah. wanted. To, he wanted to make money, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. My nah, only when my it becomes only the sole
1: motivation.
0: I, I'm okay with that being a sole motivation. Going, I just want to make a shit ton of money off of these people that that want to see something underwater. My only issue is how it set the student
1: up thinking that they were bigger and better than they they are because they didn't get well because the amount of education yeah. that they needed. But you couldn't give them the amount of education that is needed if you just want to get them, like, come on in. But we're at the other extreme, where you're turning out somebody that's not even equipped to begin to dive like that.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean I'm mean, I'm tired of going to a uh, dive site and, and seeing people flapping and mm-hmm. flailing, dog paddling hands, plummeting. Plummeting from the surface all the way down to the to oh, the yeah. bottom. Even like experiencing trying, trying to catch themselves. Yeah. How about that, you know, that last
1: wreck dive we did in the Great Lakes where I was taking photos and I had to stop because two guys bombarded and just de- they bombarded right in oh, through oh. A, 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 the cargo hold and just destroyed it. Right. I mean, and that was exactly
0: what I'm talking about, right? Full plummet, 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 yeah. plummet. <laughs>
1: Crash into the silty they, bottom, and they didn't see anything wrong with that.
0: Well, they're, they're going down to the bottom. They're going down to the wreck. Yeah, and then you go to some place like Cozumel. I mean, how many times are you going to see somebody in Cozumel Destroy like it. somersaulting through that current, mm-hmm. rolling, roly-poling,
1: like bouncing, pinballing <laughs> off of elkhorn coral and brain coral? <laughs> boom, bing, ding, boom. So, right. and so that's, that's, that's that's the issue
0: is where like yeah. okay, so it got to this. Yes. I get pe- I understand wanting to get more people in the water but if this is the result and this is what yeah, and this is what we get we got to reel it back mm-hmm. and we got to figure something out because I'm a patty instructor right and I and I w- but I want someone when they see a card that I hand them I don't want somebody to go I can expect the quick class out of this guy. And and I'm going to be guaranteed to pass. I can expect the guy struggling with buoyancy with this card. I can expect the guy that can't pull off the safety stop with this card. I can expect the guy who I've got to go pick up at the surface (laughs) with this card. right? I want people to see that Patty card that I've issued Uh and know that they've got a good quality diver and
1: competent diver. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So that's, I mean, you got to put the time in though, right? You got to put the time in. And that's, it, go, no. yeah, well, that's what I mean. We've got to start PAMI, which Pammy. is putting the time in, which is put another minute in. Oh, we just started a new agency. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here. Oh, he's got a PAMI card. For twenty nine
0: ninety five. This guy,
1: I want you, the guy with the PAMI card, you can supervise those three Patty guys. <laughs> well, I would, put, I would put it to you, James, that these two guys that were on our last dive were diving all season. I don't think it was the first dive in the season that they plummeted down and hit the hit the deck. Well, that's a that's a whole nother. I know that what I'm saying is they believe there, yeah. that that's normal. And that's how a dive should be conducted, and that's fine, and that's to be accepted.
0: Well, yeah. So let, let, that, that's a whole nother can of worms, yeah. right? Uh, of the, the diving mentality that that still thinks
1: but, that's walking yeah. <laughs> walking along the bottom <laughs> it's makes fine. sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they did kneel. uh, They didn't even walk on their fins because that would have slowed them down. They were on their knees, you know, knee walking. They weren't even on all all fours. Yeah,
0: trying to moonwalk. Just Um, um.
1: yeah. The bad thing is, there's a lot of people that get out of diving, try it, and get out because they're. They have no confidence in what they're doing.
0: Yeah, the confidence is the big part. And, and then unfortunately, there's a lot of people and, have, so that's yeah, why that's why the industry too. loses so many people is because of their lack of confidence. Right. Well, hey, Michael Mendudo, excellent interview. I mean, this guy's full of awesome interviews. Man, they're like, well, he's a um, smart dude? Yeah, he's yeah. a super smart dude. Um, Ask great questions, writes well, he's got, he's everywhere. Like I'm looking through like all these like old magazines recently. Mm -hmm. He's, he's got interviews in like Mm -hmm. a a ton of these old magazines, you know, discover diving and diver magazine and all kinds of stuff. Here's a guy
1: who I think appreciates the art of diving. Here's a guy who's along that mentality. I, yeah, decades I can tell, decades yeah. long. Yes.
0: Yeah. Cool. So I'm, I'm sure we will revisit more of his stuff in the future because uh, it's just a wealth of resources. So thank you very much, uh, Michael, for answering a couple of the questions that uh, we emailed back and forth about. And hopefully mm-hmm. we get to meet you one of these days soon. I hope you guys enjoyed this two-part episode, just exploring one of the uh, pioneers and bringing diving education from a couple of little little groups of Instructors to a worldwide
1: mass marketing of scuba education. Yeah. Again, it's there's pros and cons with it. That's all. Yeah. It's with absolutely. anything that grows huge. There's pros and cons with it. You can't have it all. You can't have elite the all the good things of elite, and everybody have one. Correct. You just can't have it. There's the end. Hey, sign my logbook. Finally. Yeah. Get well soon. Love, Sam. He's uh, no, gonna reply to uh, that I was trying to. <laughs> wait, wait, wait.
0: Okay. you're a tough son of a <laughs> bitch.
1: <laughs> see you, see. Let's go get. I've got 20 Let's go bucks. Let's scotch. go get some scotch. Pammy. It was only 15 bucks. Yeah. Pam. Pammy is in our future, brother. Cheers. Safe to Yeah, I want to know the one thing in life you got that was quick and easy, and is very valuable in your heart and soul. You know, tell me something you you put high value on that was quick and easy. And don't don't say Nothing. don't say uh, Judy in in ninth grade behind the garage. Judy was something, <laughs> and I put high value in her. I'm kidding. Sorry, Judy. But I moved on. I moved on. We all have to. No, I didn't. People Judy are going to be on. like, he must have been with a Judy in ninth grade. And no, I was not. I was uh, never.